from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinker. I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As you well know, our show is hosted on the Anchor app, but we're also on all the other major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you prefer the video format of the show, we're live at the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. Like, listen, share, and subscribe. We appreciate all your support. We're back on a midweek show. What's going on, Drink? You know, another Wednesday. You know, can't complain. Another blessed Wednesday getting up, doing a show with my guy, Jay. Uh, so you know what it is. Um, we see what they don't. We're going to say what they want. And uh, you know what time it is. Let's talk some sports, baby. Let's roll, baby. All right, here we go. In episode 47, CP3 comes up clutch. Tay Two Gloves hits Denver, and the NFL draft begins tomorrow night. We begin with a Bay Area beatdown as the Dallas Mavericks pounded the Golden State Warriors last night, 133-103. to Luka Doncic scored a game-high 39 points, and five of the Mavs were in double figures. Dallas led by as many as 43, and they used a 28-0 run in the first half to take complete control, and they never looked back. Steph Curry scored 27, Michael Mulder added 26, but the Warriors defense struggled all night and the Mavs shot 52% from the floor and they were 18 for 35 behind the arc. Dallas won for the fourth time in five games while Golden State falls back to the 500 mark. All right, Drink, this was an awful viewing experience, so uh, feel free to talk about the Mavs and Warriors in the uh, broader context. Who the hell is Michael Mulder? Like, what? Like what? Funny story. I just had to. I just googled him before we started. I still don't know. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> I look. I'm going through the box scores, right? I'm like, all right, Steph Curry, Draymond, uh, Wiggins, Molder. Yo, this cat played 31 minutes, scored 26 points, and I've never heard of a day in my life. That's how you take your opportunity when you get a chance, folks. Um, but with that said, listen, we, I know some people listen to, you know, our podcast or they watch it and they probably wonder why in the hell are these dudes talking about Dallas versus Golden State after what we witnessed folks, let me tell you something. We pre-pick these games, if that makes sense. So we talk about what games we think going to do something, what's going to hit usually it's a national televised game. And listen, it's not our fault that most of the games we picked, stars don't play, teams don't show up. We would love to be on here talking about a barn burner game just like anyone else. 
Unfortunately, we're not going to get those as much evidently this year because people just sitting out. 72 game season, et cetera, et cetera. All right, cool. So, with that said, um, you know, the Warriors, 31, they, they got, uh, I think they failed to 500 because I think they was one game above 500 before yes. this game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I, when I looked at this last night, I said, well, <laughs> this is easy. Steph didn't play. And then I went back. Oh, <laughs> he did play. <laughs> so, uh, I I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I think you'll agree with me. The Mavericks is a better team than Golden State right now. Like, mm-hmm. they're Golden – I mean, I'm not saying Luka is head and shoulders better than Steph or anything like that. I'm not comparing the superstars. I'm just saying if you look at the teams, how they're currently constructed, the Mavs are better than Golden State right now. It could change next season. It could – all that, I got it. But right now – the Mavs are a better team. With that said, however, this performance by the Warriors ain't it. Like, I got it. I, I, I got it. No Clay Thompson. I got it. This ain't the Warriors that we didn't see. This ain't it, though. This ain't it. And I ain't talking about Steph Curry per se because he, he didn't have the best night, but he didn't have the worst night either. Like, he showed up to play. The problem is the guy that showed up with him, Mike Mulder, I mean – what are we doing here? Are we going outside Lowe's, depots? We just picking up help? You know, you need help? Go, go, come on in. Jump on the back of the truck. Now take that wherever however you want to take it. But did, Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green ought to be ashamed of themselves. They really should. Because this guy Mulder got to come and help stuff. Especially you, Draymond, Mr. I've been, I've been a part of this. I've been a part of that. I've been around here just as long as uh, Steph. Well, we expect you to score at least a point, Draymond. At least one. We ain't asking a lot. He took one shot last night. We ain't asking a lot, Draymond. At least one. Can we get a free throw? Oh, you. Uh, let me see. Oh, did, did he, oh, free throw. Boom, boom, boom. Zero. Oh, you didn't go to the free throw line either. Thanks, Draymond. Thanks for coming. I see what this is. You just want to give us a bunch of lip service. Okay, cool. And then Andrew Wiggins over here. At what point do we say Andrew Wiggins is a bust? Or maybe a but a, labeling him a bust is too harsh. But he hasn't lived up to his potential. He definitely hasn't lived up to being the number one overall pick. Um, at what point do we say Andrew Wiggins, like, what are we doing here? Because I, I feel like he's still using the number one overall pick to negotiate his contracts. Because, I mean, you see this last contract. And then he's... He's getting traded from team to team, and every team he go to, he's the second guy or the third guy. and He gets talked about a lot, and he's overrated, in my opinion. So what point do we actually say to ourselves, Andrew Wiggins is overrated. He, uh, At this point, you would rather have, I don't know, uh, Eric Bledsoe or something. I don't know, but, I'm, yeah, you say that, but Eric Bledsoe have accomplished something in the NBA at least. All defense, like he yeah. done done something. Yeah. What have Wiggins gave us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm saying. What have we? <laughs> at what point? Like, come on, man. So, so I, <laughs> I just said all that, but I guess my 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 point is this: like, Golden State. This first of all, we've been talking about they're gonna probably make it to the play-in game, which they still can, and they will have a chance to do something in that play-in game. However. 
if Steph is the only dude that's going to show up on the team, don't worry about it. Don't even worry about it. You know what? Go ask them about that um, secondary um, COVID site that they were trying to pull for the teams that didn't get invited to Orlando last season. Go ask them about that because th- that's not going to cut it. To the Mavericks, I want to say this about Luka. Um, I'm not I'm, – I'm still one of those guys that want to see a little more out of Luka before I don him the next coming of the NBA or top five and all this, you know – for the people that say that, I'm not like trying to massively argue with anyone. Your opinion, your opinion is your opinion. Um, if you think that about Luca, I do think I do understand why people think that because he does show brilliance. You know, you know, so much throughout the season. I wouldn't say night in and night out, but he shows it enough where you like this kid is going to be a future star. This kid is going to be a superstar. He's going to be the future of the NBA. A lot of times I do rag on him, but this time I got to give him props. No no Porzingis. What do you know? No Porzingis. <laughs> you know, once again, no be, Porzingis. I, that, that must be a back-to-back thing, I'm guessing. I don't think he's but injured. He, he, I thought he rolled his ankle or something recently. Uh, maybe he did. I, I, that's why I thought he rolled his ankle against. It was a game I was watching recently. He had rolled his ankle. He left that game, and knowing that it's, Porzingis, the unicorn, Mr. Soft and Fluffy himself, he might be gone for the rest of the season with an ankle roll. Um, but Luca with 39, uh, you know, Finney Smith, he 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 added his 13. Your boy 42 dropped in 10. Um, and huh. then 10 Hardaway Jr. You know, Bronson. The reason I bring that up is I found this to be very very unique. When we was doing, when I was doing the number crunching for the show or whatnot. And I was looking, majority, at least the five guys that I looked at the hardest, all of those guys had a plus. So they plus and minus, they all was at a plus. You had Luca at plus 29. You had Finney at plus 23. You got Kluber at plus 27. Hardaway at plus 29. Believe that if you want. And then Brunson at plus 16. So that just told me, like, even though Golden State was playing bad, that the Mavericks were still playing, you know, average to, to, you know, above average ball, even though it's hard to tell because Golden State wasn't playing that well. But I, I thought the Mavericks, if you actually break down the numbers outside of the performance, the numbers will tell you that, that the Mavericks was playing pretty good ball throughout, um, for the majority of the game anyway, um, you know, even though the Warriors was not playing their best brand of ball. So I look at this game and I, I you know, I'm not mad at it. You know why? Because this all this does is reinforce what we were saying from the start. The Mavericks strike us as a team that can go in the playoffs and make some noise in the playoff when healthy. Golden State play in at best. That was that's all that's all silly for Golden State. Get get in the play in tournament. You might win it, but once that first round start, you know, <laughs> hey, we know what time it is. So I just think both teams played in the manner that we we actually look at them, per se, even though Steph Curry been playing so far out of his mind, we forget that this team is really, really deficient with talent outside of him and, you know, maybe one or two others. I ain't going to say no names. So, um, with that said, I, all I'll say is this game just showed us what we already knew, and we seen it in a bigger form last night. And, um, you know, the, the words got – you can't be getting blown out by, like, 50 points. Like, come on, man. Porzingis didn't even play, but, you know, 
I, I feel like we got we seen what we seen with our eyes last night on the TV screen. Yeah, you were you were right by the way. Porzingis sprained his ankle last week. He's still so he's out with another injury. Um, you know, you know there's a there's a recall going on out in California. You you you've heard I assume they trying to they want to recall the governor. Uh, Golden State they like to recall this performance. Uh, that's how dreadful this was. Um, <laughs> You know, you tune in, you're trying to catch a game. You know, you think you got a good matchup uh, lined up. And, you know, next thing you know, somebody's going on a 28 nothing run. Four touchdowns worth of points being scored. Um, it, it wasn't watchable. I, I didn't watch much after the first quarter. You know, I, had, I still had the game on, but I was, you know, scrolling, scroll, scrolling Twitter, you know, doing something. And then I just look up and somebody's talking about Andrew Wiggins in the context of like, uh, you know, he, you know, he's at a place where he doesn't have to be the guy now and he fit more something, some nonsense. I think it was Jim Jackson who was, who was talking and I had to switch it off. Like they, they lose him by about 35 right now. You're telling me about Andrew Wiggins in this regard. That, it, it wasn't watchable. Michael, Michael Mulder, 26 points. Um, that has to, that has to be a career high. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's not Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, and throw in Kelly Oubre last night. Yeah, those three guys. It's all these teams are pretty similar in the context that they have one superstar MVP caliber player that you just you know what you're gonna get, and they have a bunch of other dudes who just come and go. Uh, Porzingis, we, you know, we don't know when he's playing half the time, and then Golden State's got you know. I throw probably I'll, I'll use Wiggins and Oubre because those are the guys that they look to to score. Draymond don't even bother anymore, and th those guys are just the X factors. So you have a situation where you know what you're getting from that team's MVP. Everybody else or the the next guys, your second, third options, you know they they just come and go. So obviously Dallas, Dallas looks like a much better team right now. They've moved up in the, into the sixth spot. I think I was talking about this, uh, you know, maybe a few weeks ago. I felt like Dallas was a team that could move up, and uh, Portland has indulged them. Appreciate it out there, guys. Um, so Dallas now is, as of this moment, they're out of the play-in. We know how big a deal that is. They're only two back of the Lakers, and I don't think it's – I don't – it's not out of the realm of possibility they could catch them because the Lakers keep sliding. Uh, Anthony Davis is back, but – LeBron is not back yet, so you know the best. The best I can hope, I can think that the Lakers could do is maybe play a little bit of above five hundred. I think Dallas could catch them, uh, but yeah, Golden State, Golden State, the the best they could do. I agree. They get to the play in. I mean, anything can happen in a you know win a game, then play the seven eight lose, uh, loser of that game, win another game. But you know, in the end, and this goes back to a, a broader point that I don't know if we have driven home hard enough yet. Whoever, um, whatever team gets into the play-in from the 9-10 perspective, the best you can do is get to the eight seed and then get smoked in the first round. So the whole play-in hype thing, in the end, it's much to do about nothing if you're a 9-10 and 10 seed because the best you can do is get the eight seed and lose. So let me ask you this. Do, so you think the Jazz, without um, Mitchell – Cause we don't know when Mitchell will come back. We'll still be able to smoke who, whatever team that wins 
when you say smoke, I'm assuming you're talking like they're going to sweep them or they're going to gentlemen sweep them, whoever the, the winner of the play-in tournament for the West. Gen- generally speaking, yes. Generally speaking, yes. Now, I think, yeah, definitely whoever Brooklyn gets, they're getting them out of here early. Utah, you know I'm a little less sold on Utah and Phoenix. Um, there is a scenario where if Golden State could, like, I don't know, maybe not play like this, that I would <laughs> – I'd give Golden State a little bit of a chance against Utah. Um, but, I mean, it's, it would all – you'd have to depend on guys that you just don't believe in, like an Andrew Wiggins, like a Kelly Oubre. And we it, – it, this team is – it all it's all about – what they don't have in Clay Thompson. The the more the more I watch them, the more apparent it becomes that how much they need him, how much they miss him. Because, you know, everybody's keying in on Steph. There's far too many far too many times where just I don't even know what Andrew Wiggins is doing. I, I wouldn't I don't think but I, I think yeah bust isn't the right word, but you one hundred percent are correct talking about he hasn't lived up to the number one pick and you know, it's getting to a situation now where we, you know, he got traded and we're sitting here saying, oh, now, now, you know, a little bit of pressure being take off him. He can be the number three guy. Well, my God, he don't even look like he can be a three guy right now. How, how far, how far in the pecking order do we have to slide Andrew Wiggins down before we can have Andrew Wiggins in a winning situation? I mean, my God, do we have to slide him to the six man role? You need to be the next Lou Williams or something? Yeah, it's that ain't, and that ain't it for a former number one overall pick. They're just not. What are we talking about here? No. Yeah, this was this was horrible, and it's 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 almost it's it's tough to talk about because this this game wasn't competitive. It wasn't entertaining at all. <laughs> who's, next? who's next? Phoenix, Phoenix to the Knicks. Phoenix to the Knicks. Yeah. Are you done with this game? I'm done with it. I'm done with this right. game. All right, we now flash back to Monday night in a real NBA contest where the Phoenix Suns ended a grueling five-game road trip with a come-from-behind win over the New York Knicks. Devin Booker led the Suns with 33 points. Mikael Bridges scored 21, and Chris Paul had 20, including two clutch shots late to seal the win, 118-110. to 110. Derek Rose paced the Knicks with 22 off the bench, while Julius Round and R.J. Barrett failed to crack 40% from the floor. The Knicks took an early 15-point lead as they made a bid for their 10th straight win, but they were not able to do enough in the end Drink, we've consistently been bearish on both of these teams come playoff time. Uh, have recent events changed your mind on either? Uh, I, I would say this. I, I trust Phoenix a little more down the stretch than I did before. However, this was the Knicks. This wasn't the Clippers. This wasn't the Lakers. This wasn't the Jazz. This was the Knicks. I, I can probably guarantee you you're not going to see the Knicks in the postseason. I could probably guarantee that. Um, because if the Knicks are that good to come out of the East, I don't know if you're that good to come out of the West. That would be the only way you see them again in the postseason. <laughs> so, um, I, but <laughs> I, I would say this, um, you know, what the Knicks did show me is they still play defense. They still a grimy, gritty team. I'm going to give them that credit. But on the, on the opposite side, I'm, I'm going to say they, they showed me that they don't quite have enough offensively to get it done um, in those crunch time minutes. They, they have enough defense to get it done. I just don't feel like they have enough offense. And as good as Randall been playing this year, when he gets that ball in his hand, those last possessions be looking crazy. Like, so he be doing some crazy stuff. I don't, like, I'm not in love with his one-minute drill basketball when he gets the ball last. 
he'll, he'll play a beautiful game and then he gets to those last minutes and it's, I don't know, travel calls, throwing it out of bounds, like just, it's, it's a little erratic at the end. So they definitely need to tighten that up. But as far as this, this game changing a direction for either team, I mean, all it tells me is Phoenix showed me that they they are, you know, a team to at least be watched. To, to say that they you at least got to turn on your TV and watch them. They're at least a team that when you see them in the first round, you got to show some type of respect. This ain't the Charlotte Hornets rolling in. You know what I'm saying? This Phoenix Sun, you're going to have to, you know, show some respect to Chris Paul, to De uh, Devin Booker, to uh, Mikael Bridges, to, you know, on and on. You got to show those guys some respect. We've seen that. And the Knicks, for what it's worth, I know people saying it's just the Knicks, but the Knicks is probably the only team in the NBA that's top four in every major defensive category in the NBA. All right? So you can say it's just the Knicks all you want, but the, the Knicks are really, really legitimate team on the defense side of the ball. They're not terrible on the offensive side. It just doesn't match. And they don't have enough that make you think this team is, you know, we're really scared of this team in the seven-game series. So, but here's what I like. Here, here's what I like in, in the maturation of the Knicks. R.J. Barrett. I wasn't sure if R.J. Barrett was going to be, like, I, if he was going to live out his draft pick. I wasn't sure after last year. I, I thought, oh, this is looking a little, look a little shaky for the Knicks. Look like they didn't draft another pick that ain't going to work out. I take that back. I, I like what I seen out of R.J. Barrett this year. Um, a guy that we don't talk about that they drafted really high this year, Obi Toppin. I, I, I don't know what his role is on this team, but whatever it is, it's working for him. It's working for the Knicks. He come in, he play his, his minutes, he going to dunk on somebody, he going to do something spectacular, then he's out, he back on the bench, he chilling, and it's not a lot of pressure. Because I hear all this pressure, well, I hear all these comments about the New York media. You don't want to go to New York media because they're going to eat you alive and they're going to do this. I don't see them saying a whole lot about Obi Toppin not really playing, you know, all these minutes and being a high draft pick. So, for what it's worth, um, I do think Tom Thibodeau got this team in the right direction. So, I'm not mad, but I, I didn't see anything that really changed my mind on who they were or what they can do or what direction they're going. Um, as far as the Suns, I did. I got a little more respect for the Suns. I'm not even going to lie. Um at what point do we say somebody from the Sun should be seriously considered for the MVP conversation? Whether that's Chris Paul or Devin Booker, however you want to put it. But last time I checked, when you got a team that was second to last in the Western Conference last year, this year they got the second best record in the NBA overall. Somebody got to be getting some recognition now. This ain't the 04 Pistons over here. Like, it got to be somebody that stand out on that team. Is it Chris Paul? Is it Devin Booker? And I'm not saying, oh, it, they should be top three in the MVP conversation. But, I mean, my God, we should be talking about somebody over there. Like, this is a remarkable turnaround by the Phoenix Sun. We do understand how remarkable this is, right? So, with that said, like, Chris Paul should be getting some love or Devin Booker. One of them should be getting more love in the MVP conversation. We give MB love. And the Philadelphia wasn't the second to last, you know, team in the East last year. They was a playoff team. 
but now Embiid doing what, what we think he should be doing. So he's getting the he's getting the recognition for that. Nokic, what Denver was? Oh, oh, what you say, Denver? Western Conference last year? Western Conference Finals? Yeah, yeah, that was them. Game six? Yeah, that was them. So my point is, I think they should get a little, you know, they should be getting a little more credibility for what it is that they're doing. So all in all, I do like Phoenix a little more. I trust them a little more in late game situations. Um, I do trust Chris Paul more. I, I think he got a handle on this team a lot more than I actually thought. I thought at first we was kind of shining it on, giving him more credit than he really was uh, worth. But I got to give him his due. He got this team with their head on their shoulders. Money Williams got this team playing some fantastic ball. I just I like what, what I see with the Suns. But to truly answer your question, we got to see what they're going to do in the first round. That's, that's where we'll be able to answer is the Phoenix Suns for real or not. But as, as of right now in the season, Yes, um, they impressed me. I, I I think I like them more and more as I watch them play. And the Knicks, they was just the Knicks. So, um, yeah, that was my takeaway from that game. I don't think um, I don't think my mind has changed one way or the other on either team. Both teams are about who I who I think they are. I think the Knicks will they're going to make the playoffs. Um, they'll give they'll give someone a real good fight in the first round. I don't I don't think I can see them winning a first round series, but what they've done is this recent hot streak, um, this nine game streak that got snapped on Monday night, they've given themselves a chance um, at that four or five hole or that four or five first round matchup. And we know how important that is because if you fall six, seven or eight, you get your pick of Milwaukee, Philly or Brooklyn. And uh, that's not going to be fun. That's not going to be fun for you. So um, they, they'll have a chance if they can, you know, stay in the four or five range but um, in the end, I thought I thought you made some really great points both ways. And the Knicks, um, we talked about how much we like them defensively. Um, there's been a couple of Knicks games where they've been kind of anomalies. They they were not very good on defense last night, um, especially after you know things got after they built that pretty big lead early. Um, Phoenix chipped away at them, then they got pretty hot from three as as time went on, um, and they just. You know, their, their late game offense when they have to close games. I mean, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, it, it, the Knicks feel like they're one piece away. And I think one all-star or one guy who can, who can make a shot for you at the end, um, I don't think Barrett's not quite that guy yet. And Julius Randle, you know, from a front court, posi- uh, uh, front, court, front court perspective, he looks like a guy who can carry you throughout the game but you, you'd probably like to have a perimeter-oriented guy who can, you know, get you over the finish line with that last shot. I don't know if, I don't know if Julius Randle is quite what you want, you know, in a, you know, the final second, quote-unquote, last shot. Uh, Phoenix, Phoenix, Phoenix is good, um, but I, I still don't believe in them, you know, come playoff time. They'll, you know, they, they'll be in the two-hole, as it looks like right now. You know, they'll get... Right now, they'll have Portland. I think they beat Portland, um, but we never know. Yusuf Nurkic might play, and that might be all the difference in the world. Let me tell you <laughs> oh, what. Oh, Zach, Zach Collins. You know, Zach Collins and <laughs> Carmelo Anthony with his hoodie and all that. Um, you know. Uh, but, you know, I, I look at this last night, and, you know, Chris Paul, Chris Paul made a couple of miracle shots last night to close that game. You know, this one shot where he's Julius Randle has him on lockdown 
uh, at around the free throw line and he just goes up. He doesn't even have the ball yet. And he just throws it up there. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's just one of those examples. Like that's not, that ain't getting that. That's not winning playoff series. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, that's what you need to get it done. I, Nothing but respect for it. This guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest point guards we've ever seen. But that's not getting it done. Uh, but you you do make some, like I said, you had good points on the Knicks and the Suns. The point about the Suns and the MVP conversation, uh, yeah, we should. somebody should probably be talking about somebody. If I had to pick, I'd probably say Chris Paul because it's it's been the addition of Chris Paul that has been probably the biggest factor of them, you know, being on this type of ascent. Um, so I, you know, you want to give Chris Paul some votes, sure, fine. But in the end, he's not he's not winning the award. Just like you know, it was the same thing in Oklahoma City last year when like, oh, Chris Paul, you know, uh, yeah, he's going to be an MVP conversation. Look what he did with this Oklahoma City team. All valid points, but then you pull up the stat sheet and they're like, uh huh, sixteen points and six assists. That ain't quite going to get it. I'm just, it's just not enough. Um, but I tell you one thing. I think you know you want to give somebody an award on Phoenix. I think. And there's a lot of really good candidates for coach of the year. But uh, when you break it down like that, give Monty Williams coach of the year. You know, you talk about getting a team from whatever bottom of the barrel they were before the bubble last year. And now they're at this position, 43 and 18, like a 70% winning percentage. And I look at them last night and I'm looking at this bench because we know, you know, no Jay Crowder, no Dario Saric. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Frank Kaminsky and Cameron Payne and Javon Carter. That's the bench you're bringing? No disrespect, but that, I don't I don't want nothing to do with that bench. Cameron Payne? The last Cameron Payne Holly I saw when he was Oklahoma City and him and Russell Westbrook was doing handshakes before the game and dancing. That's the only Cameron Payne highlight I have recollection of. But he's out there last night and doing something. Javon Carter, by the way, that is the oldest looking dude. This guy was a freshman in college at uh, West Virginia, and he looked like a 32-year-old dude. And he about 38. He about 38 now. Uh-oh. <laughs> Got to be more careful. <laughs> in the, but no, in the in the end, it doesn't change my outlook on these teams. Really, I, I think they are who they are. But they've been both teams have no question overachieved. Both head coaches should be really proud of what they've done. And um, either way. They're gonna, they're gonna, both teams will be a force to be reckoned with come playoff time. But I do think the Knicks, the Knicks are going home in the first round. And I, I think Phoenix, Phoenix is out of there in the second round, I do believe. All right, we now shift to the NFL and quarterback news that broke this afternoon. The Carolina Panthers have traded veteran quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, the Denver Broncos, for a six round pick. The Panthers recently acquired former Jets third overall pick Sam Donald, and they had three other quarterbacks on their roster. The Broncos are believed to still be in the market for a quarterback in the first round tomorrow night's NFL draft, despite this trade and the presence of Drew Locke. All right, drink. This trade would appear to leave no doubt that Sam Darnold will be the quarterback of the Panthers when the 2021 season gets going. Who do you think will start under center in week one for the Broncos? Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Bridgewater. Why did I say Bridgewater? Listen, I, I got it. All Denver gave up was a six-round pick, and we both know it's only seven rounds in the draft. So you 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 do the math and tell me how valuable a six-round pick is. Um, but you did give up that six-round pick to have a quarterback competition with a quarterback that's already on your roster. Not only that, this is this is a quarterback that's not expensive. Um, it's not like he's demanding a lot. 
you just don't feel confident in what he can do or you want an insurance policy so if he doesn't do what he wanted to do he being drew lock drew lock if he doesn't do what he's supposed to do now you have bridgewater to bring him in and i got that i just don't understand why start all this commotion in the Denver Broncos organization or the Denver Broncos quarterback room if you don't plan on actually utilizing Bridgewater? I, I just got a feeling as long as Bridgewater gets the terminology down packed and get the bases down packed, I don't see the reason why he wouldn't be the week one starter. Now, I'm not saying this is the end of Drew Locke, but I would say a move like this uses a lot of fire under a young guy. If you think Drew Locke is a guy that can get it done for you. He needs to be motivated to get it done for you. This is how you motivate him to get it done for you. And like you said, they still in talks of drafting a quarterback on top of this. So you got to think about this. What what message are you sending to Drew, Drew Lott right now? Like, hey, buddy, we ain't waiting around for you to progress. We're going to get a backup, and we might draft a quarterback. And if they draft a the quarterback, we know both of these dudes are out of here. Teddy Bridgewater ain't going to be there much longer, and Drew Locke probably somewhere on the market somewhere in a year or two if they draft a quarterback. So, with that said, I, I'm going to go with Teddy Bridgewater. Here's the deal. We talked about this before before the show. Bridgewater has not had a lot of stops that you say, ugh, what, what did he do there? Ugh, that's an ugly mark on his resume. Yeah, I got what happened last year, um, but it's reasons for that. So, you, you cannot point out to me a spot whether that was Minnesota, New Orleans, or Carolina, where he just stunk up the joint. Because he didn't stink up the joint with Carolina last year. That's what people need to understand. They just wasn't never all together long enough for it to really maturate on the offense side of the ball. Now, the Panthers are justified for giving up two late-round picks to go get Sam Darnold. One, he's younger. Two, he has more upside. And... Sam Donald do got a relationship with Robbie Anderson for what, whatever that matters, right? Um, so, <laughs> so I understand what Carolina's doing. Carolina's like, listen, we, we want to get younger. We want to get, you know, we want to have more upside on these key positions, quarterback, you know, um, left tackle, you know, pass rusher, all these positions. So we want to get younger, and that's what they did. So I, I definitely understand what Carolina did. And at, at the same time, I understand what Denver doing. Listen. You know what I'm saying? You, you got when you got a guy like John Elway, you know, running around putting sprinkling his salt on it, he know what it takes to get a quarterback going. Now he might not know what it takes to draft the quarterback the right quarterback at the first sight. But he definitely I, I think he know how to probably get, you know, a lot of fire, get something going. Um and I think that's what's happening here. Like I said, I want to reiterate, I don't think Drew Locke is all the way out of being the quarterback, the starting quarterback week one. I just feel like you didn't bring Bridgewater in here. It's kinda like Fitzpatrick and, and, and Tua almost. Like, Fitzpatrick wasn't there just to hold a clipboard, and we seen that. Week one, you know, I mean, they kept doing this little back-and-forth game, but at the end of the day, Fitzpatrick was there to do a job. I think Teddy Bridgewater got that same opportunity, and I think he will be the um, week one starter, unless he get hurt or something, you know. He is injury-prone. So, But everything, to me, points to – Teddy Bridgewater being the week one starter for the Denver Broncos. What say you? It could be, uh, but I, you know, and I have so many things, you know, percolating about the Denver Broncos quarterback situation right now. The whole thing leading up to the draft was, is it Drew Locke 
or a guy in the first round, I don't think we saw them acquiring a veteran like this um, happening. And now it's even more, I mean, I'm even, I'm, I'm skeptical of this whole idea that, hey, we got Bridgewater, but we're still in on a quarterback tomorrow night. I, I don't buy it. I don't see, unless, unless Justin Fields is still on the board, then maybe, maybe I'd look at that. Maybe I'd look at that. But if, if I, okay, if, if me, it's, tra- go ahead. Let me, let me slide this question into you. Okay. You said you see it being a forfeit. So if you don't see them drafting a quarterback, what do you see in them draft? And I understand we got a draft preview, but since we're on this Zach thing, I just want to make a little context for what you're saying. Yeah, I'd go. Um, so right now, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, I feel pretty comfortable because I, and I would go Drew Locke, you know, unless he just, this, this doesn't motivate him and he just melts down and he can't handle the pressure of some veteran who is like you, you said this earlier, he's a journeyman at this point. You can't handle that. Then go ahead and get in the back seat. Um, but like, you know, those two guys combined, I feel pretty comfortable. I don't think we need a third, a third wheel up in here. Um, so, I mean, they're sitting at, I think they're sitting at nine, eight or nine. I mean, I, if you, if Michael Parsons is on the board, I think that'd be nice to, you know, add a big time athletic linebacker to your defense or, you know, offensive tackle, you know, they, they haven't finally Garrett Bowles is out there playing well for you at the left side. They ain't had a right tackle in years. Maybe this guy, Rayshon Slater out of Northwestern. I've seen a little bit about him. You know, maybe that could be something you do. But I think right now, you know, at quarterback, right today, I'm going Drew Locke, and it's for a similar reason that the Panthers are going with Sam Darnold. Unless you're a no-doubt franchise guy who's got the big contract and all that, youth tends to win out um, among, you know, front offices and coaches because, you know, we – I mean, we kind of we kind of know what Teddy Bridgewater is at this point. He's a guy who's going to come in, he's going to manage the game for you. He's not going to make mistakes, um, but he's also not a guy who is probably just going to just wow you and lead you to where you want to go. He's going to have to be supported by you know a great roster around him. Which you look at the the places he's had success. Minnesota, they won a division title up there, and when he had spot duty for Drew Brees, he was very good there. Those those rosters were pretty complete. We know Carolina, he went over there last year, and I don't think we really ever saw that being a long-term thing. Carolina, that was a full-scale rebuild. They drafted a whole new defense over there. Chris McCaffrey, he didn't play a whole lot. So I'm not I, I'm not holding a 4-11 starting record last year against him. That was, that was a difficult scenario for Teddy Bridgewater. But I think this situation in Denver is more like New Orleans and uh, Minnesota than it is Carolina. Denver's a more complete team. They're not, you know, they're not foolproof, but there's a lot to like about this team. They just got to, you know, patch up a few holes here and there. But I would go Drew Lott because of the youth, because, you know, never, remember, remember, I mean, we talk about it from time to time. Josh Allen, you know, the first couple of years, like, eh. first year is like, oh, I don't know about this. The second year, it was fine, but then it, it ends with him, you know, laddering the ball to the referee. Like, oh, I don't know about that. The third year, oh, Oh, Patrick Mahomes MVP conversation. I mean, what got to get a little carried away with that. Um, but I, I don't know if Drew Locke's going to do what Josh Allen did. But when I see Drew Locke, I see a lot of talent. Um, what I but the the thing that's just killed him last year was just way too many turnovers. He ha, he has to stop that because this Denver team, as currently constructed, this is a team that can make a playoff spot. They were good. They had a good enough roster to make the playoffs last year. 
they just got killed by injuries and injuries and turnovers. They get they get get some good fortune on the injury front, keep the team healthy, and you don't turn the football over. They got got a legitimate chance at the wild card. So I would go out there and start Drew Locke early, but he's going to be on a leash because when you got a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who you know what you're going to get, you know he's going to take care of the ball. He's going to have, a, and I don't, I'm not even worried about the terminology and all that stuff. He, had, you know, you got you got a whole pretty much whole off season to get familiar with the the system and all that. And it's Pat Shermer, so you know it's going to be bland. So they're going to be they're going to be fine. He's going to be fine with that. So start Drew Lock. He coming out here and he turned the ball over, looking like, you know, he's he's going out there donating to the Salvation Army. Uh, get Teddy Bridgewater in there and let's move it along. But I see no reason whatsoever why they need to draft a quarterback tomorrow night. All right, we'll stay in the NFL with our final look at the NFL draft before the Jaguars are on the clock tomorrow night. We are pleased to tell you that NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell has been fully vaccinated and he is allowed to hug the <laughs> drafted players as is tradition. Mm. He is not pleased with that news. Anyway, 13 players will be in attendance and an additional 45 will take part virtually. Actually, check that. It's not going to be 12 because somebody tested positive for COVID. Nice job, Caleb Farley. Drake, we talked uh, quarterbacks last night. Your final thoughts on the draft and what you'll be paying attention tomorrow night. Well, my final thought on the draft is I'm glad it's finally here tomorrow night. Um, you know, draft is pretty exciting. The NFL draft is pretty exciting. I don't really get excited about the NBA draft. I couldn't tell you if I ever watched the MLB draft or NHL draft. But um, when it comes to the NFL draft, usually we have a break so long from the Super Bowl to the draft, we treat the draft like a game almost. Like we, we excited, fans excited. Um, and, you know, I'm excited about that too. Even though, you know, the virtual aspect is going to play a lot in the draft, still you're going to have, you, you said it earlier, um, you're going to have 12 players in person. Um, so you're still going to get some type of feel. Uh, so, you know, I'm happy for that. I'm happy to commission get the shake. Because, I, listen, I know a lot of people saying, what's the big deal? Roger D Goodell, he full of vaccine, he can shake people's hands. We have to understand this. For us, it's not a big deal. But for the player that gets to do this one time in his life, to walk up there on the stage and hold that jersey up and get to shake the commissioner's hand and give him that nice brief hug, that's the rest of their lives. Like, we have to understand that. Just because we're not athletic enough to be a first overall pick don't mean the guy that, that can do it don't, you know, appreciate that or cherish that moment to be able to have that for the rest of their life. So, you know, I, so that, I'm excited about seeing that. I'm, I'm excited about the in-person because another thing this shows is we're progressing back to somewhat of being normal. Um, yes, it's still a virtual aspect to this draft, but at least we get to see 12 individuals go up there and do their thing. Um, so I'm excited about that. Now, a couple of things I'm, I will be paying attention tomorrow when this draft kicks off, you know, with the first pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars pick. Um, I've been hearing a lot of noise about four quarterbacks going off the rip, one through four. I feel very confident that we will get three for sure. I, I feel very confident that it's going to be, you know, Lawrence, Wilson, and um, Jones, probably the first three. Or Lawrence, Wilson, and Fields, however you want to look at that. Um, the fourth one is the one where I'm like, okay, somebody's going to trade up to four 
and look to get a quarterback. If that happens, I think it goes in some order of Lawrence, Wilson, Mack, Fields, just flip Jones and Fields, and that would be one, two, three, four. I think Trey Lance coming off the board at some later time. Um, I don't think he did himself, you know, a lot of help when he opted out. Because from what I'm looking at, only one guy that opted out last year that fully opted out is really maintaining their stock, and that's Jamar Chase. Because um, some people don't consider Panay Sewell as an opt-out, even though he kind of opt-out, but the Pac-12 was doing all this weird stuff over there. So they kind of <laughs> like, he, he didn't opt-out, the whole conference opt-out. I don't know, but, you know. <laughs> so those are the only two names I done, you know, seen that's, that correlates with opting out that still maintain their draft stock. The rest of the guys then kind of slipped a little bit. Um, so I do think we're going to get those four quarterbacks taken, one two, one, two, three, four. I just don't know how it's going to look, but I do think we have that. My next thing was how many wide receivers would get taken in the first round? Um, we know wide receiver was a hot topic last year. Once they started, they started rolling. Um, we have three guys that are clearly in the tier by themselves. Uh, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jay, and Waddle. They're where they're at. Then you got the rest of these guys, um, the tier twos, the tier threes, um, the you know, like the Elijah Moores, the Terrence Marshall um, Juniors, the um, um, it was Rashawn Bateman, the, the guy, those type of guys that you heard about, but they kind of they fell off, you know, fell a little bit in the tiers. You got those guys. So I'm just curious to see how many wide receivers get taken. We know this is an offensive game, so you you kind of want to get that talent out there and, and see what you can make happen. So. I think, to be honest with you, outside of those three tier one wide receivers, I would not be surprised if they be the only three receivers taken in the first round. Just because of how the quarterbacks is moving everything around, I would not be surprised if just those three or the three that get taken in the first round and then the rest of the wide receivers start getting taken towards the second round. Running backs. How many running backs would get taken in the first round? I think it's only one. Is you either gonna have Najee Harris or you're gonna have Travis Etienne. That's it. It's gonna be one of those two. And then if if some godly reason both of those guys get taken, once the second round starts, I think both of the guys from North Carolina come off pretty early and then so on and so forth. Um so I, I do think, I mean, running backs, you, you you get one. Last year we gotta remember Edward Z Lev was the only one that got taken in the first round. And Kansas City traded back into the first round to get him. So it wasn't like, you know, people are scratching out here for the running back position. They're starting to seem more and more like a day two, day three kind of pickup. Uh, you could thank Ty Gurley and Zeke for that. All right, and then my, my next point was defensive tackle. I was curious to see when were the first defensive tackle. This is a very weak draft when it comes to defensive tackle. This is not... The, the usual level. You don't got your Kavon, Ken Laws, and, you know, so on and so forth. You know, guys get taken seven overall, eighth overall. That ain't happening this year, folks. I would not be surprised if the first defensive tackle get taken in the second round instead of the first. It's only a select few that's, that even got a first-round grade. And, uh, for example, Christian Bel Belmore. Some people got him uh, in of the first, beginning of the second. I'll tell you right now. If I was drafting him, he'd probably be second, somewhere in the second round. And I'm a Bama guy. But 
I think the only reason he came out in this draft is because the lack of defensive talent, of defensive tackle talent that's in this draft. Had it been like last year or something, he comes back to school for another year. No doubt about it, but you got to take your opportunities as they're given, so I'm not mad at it. But I'll be, I'm very curious to see if a defensive tackle get taken in the first round. And then, last but not least, you know I had to throw this out here. I got to see what my boys do. Can they break that? That record from the 2004 Miami Hurricanes. Um, that year they had six guys taken in the first round. Can we get seven taken? We'll see. That's a lot of guys to get drafted from one team. Um, but we'll, we'll see if we can challenge that 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 record. Um, so overall, that I'm just curious to see. I'm glad that the draft is back, and I'm curious to see you know how some of these positions come down. We know quarterback going to get taken care of, but once those quarterbacks come off the board. I'm curious to see what other positions either get affected by it, meaning they lose a couple of spots, or what other positions get bumped up by it, meaning they get more guys into the first round because of the quarterback. Yeah, I'm, I'm the last point you made about how many maybe setting a record for most guys drafted. I'm looking through here, trying to count up who we'd have. We have Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Patrick Sertan. Uh, what Christian Barmore, Najee Harris? Who am I missing? Is there one more? Um, then you at? got the likes of um, I seen Alex Leatherwood. Man, okay, uh, all right, yep. Round first. Um, okay. um, is it another name? Yeah, that'd be your. Yeah, son. Yeah. Oh, 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 Landa Dixon, the cent, the center, the, the okay. one that won the award. I've been hearing this name too, so that's why. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at you know, I'm looking at uh, CBS Sports Player Rankings. They've got. They've got they've got five in their top thirty-two. They got Najee Harris thirty-fourth. This is overall, and they got Leatherwood forty-first. So I mean, could be nothing else. You real good chance to tie it because I think Najee Harris got a good chance of going in the first round. Um, I mean, if nothing else, you could tie it. I don't know. Maybe Leatherwood gets up. He's a offensive tackle, right? Yes. Um, I mean, listen, listen. I I just wanted to throw the and the reason I thought that even if we don't, I mean, we didn't we didn't definitely had six guys drafted before, but you know, it's cool. This yeah, record been held since two thousand and four, yeah. so it ain't nothing easy to do. Yeah. But we'll see. You know, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. If nothing else, that's that's something. Yeah, right. Fun to look out to. It, like you know, any like anything else when you got a chance to see history happen, like Gonzaga having a chance to. You know, win a t- uh, win a national championship as an undefeated team. You know, things like that. So yeah, I look I look forward to things like that. Um, you know, quarterbacks will be front and center. You know, we talked about that a little bit last week. Um, I think you know I think what we'll see is everything. All indications um, have me thinking we'll see Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones, the top three. Um, which begs the question. I think the draft, unless something you know unless we're not, we're just completely out of the loop. The draft really starts with Atlanta at four and what do they do? Cause they're in a pretty interesting position because obviously you can get, you know, maybe, maybe the best player in the draft period in Kyle Pitts. Um, and by the way, that tight end class, you talk about a weak class. I think after Kyle Pitts, it's pretty, it's pretty bare. Um, so whoever gets Kyle Pitts has a gym, but then, you know, we, we discussed this a little bit. Like, is that, Atlanta's in one of them kind of no man's lands where you get Kyle Pitts. I mean, that's real cool. Now you got Julio, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts, and you got Matt Ryan, but we know they need a lot more than that. You know, I 
But then again, maybe that's the way they go because we know, um, you know, Arthur Smith. Well, I think we know that Arthur Smith likes tight ends. You know, Delaney Walker, Jonu Smith, Anthony Ferkser, and, you know, all the like. I think, but I think Atlanta's uh, interesting to watch, see what they do. I think it could be a, you know, if you're, if you're really trying to, you know, acquire talent and get better a little bit more quickly, maybe you trade down, maybe you try to acquire more assets to get more players because they need a lot more than just a tight end. Um, but that, that'll be, it'll be kind of fun to see what they do there. But then on down after your first three quarterbacks, you know, if it, if it is Lawrence Wilson and Mac Jones, I mean, Justin Fields for a long time, he was, he was the next guy after Trevor Lawrence. He seems like he's kind of sliding a little bit. So, you know, after, you know, after your first three teams, Atlanta, you know, Atlanta's not going to get a quarterback. Cincinnati's not. Miami's not. I mean, Detroit's got Jared Goff. I mean, maybe if you don't love golf, but I mean, you did bring him in. You could have brought in just more picks and didn't even worry about it. Uh, Carolina just got Sam Donald, you know, on down the list. So unless somebody trades up, maybe Philadelphia gets in there. I don't know. Who is it? New England. You know, it's you're going to these these next quarterbacks who are on the list, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, that's who we think they, they could be waiting a while. I mean, Washington, Washington, they might be in a situation where they trade up if they, you know, if they're in that position, they're sitting at 19, Chicago at 20, you know, it's going to, it's going to be a while for those other quarterbacks. Um, you know, some, some teams that I think are really interested. I think the wide receiver situation is pretty interesting. You know, it'd be, it'd be really cool. I don't think we'd get this if uh, Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa get one of their old wide receivers from their college days. That'd be really cool. Uh, but I think Joe Burrow's kneecap probably would prefer an <laughs> offensive lineman right. in a Penesu. Right. Him on in there. You could get Terrace Marshall in the second round, maybe. Right. Um, so that'd be neat. And then, um, you know, if you're if you're Miami, you know, you're in a kind of a you're, you're going to be in a neat situation. They probably, I would assume, have the pick of wide receiver. They'll have the choice of Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith. I don't think you go wrong with any of them. Um, I think it's, I think it might be a, you know, we talked about the three from last year, Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs. I don't know. This, this trio might be an even more sure thing to me. Yeah. I I think this trio is better than last year's trio. Yeah. You got the, you got the Heisman Trophy winner. You got a guy that's so good, he didn't play a down of football, and he's still it's gonna be. Still yeah, if 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 it wasn't for quarterbacks, yeah, if he if it wasn't for quarterbacks, you know what what does CBS have him? CBS has got to have him. Like hey, they've got him, they've got him ranked sixth overall. Period. But regardless, I mean, if it wasn't for quarterbacks, he could be in the top five. And then Jalen Waddle. I don't need to say anything about Jalen Waddle. This guy's <laughs> this guy's electric in every in every um in every sense, sense of the of word. Her. So yeah. So yeah, on you know, on down the list, I think Philadelphia, you know, I've been told that they not sold on Jalen Hurts or they are sold. You know, remember remember Nick Sirianni said, Hey, I feel great about these two great quarterbacks we've got. Now you don't have Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts is I don't know what he's doing. But Philadelphia, they're kind of they're kind of fun to look at. New England, New England to see what they do. 
you know, Cam Newton going to come back again, but do they get a quarterback or do they not worry about it? Do they do something else? They had that big influx of free agent spending. Got a lot of dudes in there. You know, I don't think they brought them all in just to be seven and nine again. Miami's got two picks again in the first round as they continue to, what is that? Is that the, that's still the Tunzel trade probably. They are milking some of them deals forever. Um, on down the list, I think, you know, as far as running backs and whether it's Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, I think Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is probably the team I'd be looking at to take a running back. Uh, they don't have James Conner anymore. All those other dudes, whether it's Benny Snell or whoever, you know, that, None of those guys get you excited. They, they couldn't run the football pretty much the whole second half of last year. They quit. They didn't even try. To, they didn't even try. Uh, they, they have to be better on the ground to help Ben Roethlisberger, you know, if they want to continue, if they want to have a chance again this year to compete at the highest level. Um, Najee Harris, I, I would pick Najee Harris, not think twice about it. I think he's that good. And I know the running back position is undervalued and all that. But, you know, I think you do that. And speaking of another team that needs to fill a position, uh, Baltimore, uh, paging DaCosta, whoever's running that team, uh, any, yeah. any day you want to draft a wide receiver, just any day. Um, they're, they're, you know, folks are out there holding their breath from last year. They're not doing too well um, because of that. I think Rashad Bateman, I would go Rashad Bateman. You got uh, Marquise Brown, you know, 5'10", 5", whatever he is, blow you, blow by you down the field. Get a guy who can compliment him, a guy a little bit bigger. Bateman's about 6'2", well over 200 pounds. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's, it, you know, much like last year. Last year was a deep wide receiver class. There's a lot of, lot of great options again this year. You know, they, they got the 27th and 31st pick. They got two first-round picks. I would – I'd be shocked if they don't use one of them on a wide receiver. I w- I, what I would do is – if. If you if you don't feel comfortable drafting a wide receiver, which I can understand that this year, you don't get the extra combine, you don't get all that. At least package up the picks and try to go. You know, I'm not saying you can go get Julio, but Julio is on the market every day. See what you oh. can do for Julio. You see what? Like that's what I think they should do. Rather than go draft, they need someone that Lamar Jackson see, just like Stephon Diggs did for yeah. um, Josh Allen. Oh, that dude is a dude. Oh, he come to our team. Got it. You know what I'm saying? They, that's what they need for Lamar. Cause the, the more they let this slide, he, I think he's gonna start losing confidence. But I do agree with you. Everybody should agree with you. They need a, a dog on wide receiver. I think that's probably like they better. You know, if they can get somebody that's already established. Yeah, and beyond that, I think you know we talked about the five quarterbacks who are kind of it would seem to be they're all gonna go in the first round probably. Uh, but, you know, it, it'd be we can't ignore the guys who are next because whether it's Russell Wilson, whether it's Tom Brady, you know, some quarterbacks, you find them later on in the draft. Is there a guy in that type of, you know, scenario this year, whether it's a Kyle Trask, dare I say Kellen Mond, um, you know, a guy like that who gets drafted in the later rounds that in a couple of years, we're looking like, man, look at that steal of a guy that, you know, and then meanwhile, somebody drafted Josh Rosen a couple of years ago and he had, we haven't seen him in a long time. So, you know, so, you know, you know, what's going to happen. Somebody will get drafted. You know, I, th- I think it's Kyle Trask. He's a mid round guy who could pop for an NFL team. Uh, but, you know, beyond that in the big picture, I, I'm, 
I'm really excited to see some guys actually in the green room, you know, enjoying the experience. Um, I, I will say though, you got 13, well now it's 12 guys that showed up are gonna be in the room. Now look, if you're there, you better get drafted in the first round because if you don't, it's, you're gonna look a little silly. I'm talking to I'm talking to uh, you, Gregory Rosso, and was it was that one more Christian Barmore? You better in yeah. Barmore. I, I feel like Najee Harris and Christian Barmore kind of be in the same situation. The the position is kind of weak, so a team that needs one will be more inclined to reach to reach just a little bit, even though yeah. it probably isn't a reach for either one of those guys. Um, but yeah. Don't be the please. Don't be the one out of third out of twelve players who showed up for the draft and then is sitting there for thirty two rounds. Like, oh, that's it. This will show up for the second round. You know, that would be the yeah, be the per be the perfect cop out. It seemed like, you know, it's probably going to be somewhat disheartening for the guys who show up virtually and they don't get picked. But at least you know, oh, I didn't get drafted. Or I'm not feeling this. I turn the camera off and I'm going to do something else with for the. I'm, a, I'm at the house. Uh, I'm at. Somewhere where I feel I got people around me. Right. You, yeah. Like, guys, guys, <laughs> I'm still back here, guys. Don't turn off the lights. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. In the end, very excited, you know, for this. You know, just as much as last year when there was nothing else going on besides the draft, we spent a lot more time on it. But yeah, definitely, uh, definitely looking forward to it. And as always, um, you know, we'll see how it turns out, and we will be back with some of our thoughts on it on saturday last but not least is rapid reactions a whole lot of topics a little time the floor is yours jay all right the bucks are bringing back wide receiver antonio brown per mike garofalo and tom pelicero giving him a one-year deal worth 3.1 million your thoughts drink hey let's hey get everybody let's get the band back together and let's try to ride this out again listen i know a lot of people uh you know, not buying Antonio Brown if he changed or not. But I do think this is a good sign that, hey, he swallowed his pride because he thought they was going to bag up the Brinks truck, and he's coming back because he see he got a good thing going on. So he come back, uh, 3.1. You're, you're not breaking the bank for him. So I think for the Bucks, it's a, still, it's a good deal. For, for Antonio Brown, it's a good deal. So listen, I ain't mad at it. Is it other teams that could have used them more? We just talked about one, the Ravens. And they probably would have paid them more. But, you know, great minds think alike. So I, I, I like that, and I, I'm glad to see that. And let's see what they do with it. Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers for Kevin Love apologized today for his on-court tantrum on Monday in a loss to the Toronto Raptors. Your reaction? I'm not even, I'm not even mad at him. Think about this. He's still in Cleveland somehow. We met once LeBron and Kyrie and the great exodus occurred. I I am shocked that he's still there. And I can't I can't be I ain't even too mad at him that you know this it's Cleveland. They can't they ain't winning and they haven't won since LeBron left. And you know, God knows when they're gonna win again. Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul have agreed to a fight at Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday, June 6th, announced by both fighters. Uh, is this is this real drink? Listen, man, it, it is. Unfortunately, it is. Um, and I say unfortunately because I think something like this is beneath Floyd Mayweather. This is, um, you know, the the best boxer ever, the greatest to do it. Whatever, however the goat, however you want to um term it. But he out here fighting YouTube specialists, and you know, now listen. 
in 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 the realm of financials, this yeah. is a good fight. This is gonna make some good money for both of these guys. But as far as legacy and just giving people something else to pick at Floyd Mayweather about, it, come on, Floyd man, like we want, we don't mind seeing you come back. We just thought you was gonna come back and actually fight somebody. But I ain't mad at Floyd. It's easy money. Logan Paul, yo, easy money. So, hey, do what y'all got to do, man. Go ahead and go make that money because I'm, I'm going to watch it. That's for sure. So, we'll, we'll see how that go. But it's a little bit gimmicky for your boy. The NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, has been vaccinated and will be allowed to hug the players who attend Thursday's night's draft per Adam Scheffler. Back to normal, right? Oh, a little bit. But, you know, you, you know, we can't sit here and pretend. We still got a long way to go before we get fully back to normal. There's still way too, there's still way too many masks going on for me to talk about anything being remotely normal. Steelers have exercised the fifth-year option for safety, Mika Fitzpatrick, and the Bears have done the same for linebacker Roquan Smith. Those were easy calls, right? Easy. So easy. Matter of fact, I mean, uh, they picked up the fifth-year option for both of these guys. I would not be surprised if we start talking about contract extensions really soon for both of those players. I think they earned they uh, they earned the right to be extended for both teams. We didn't talk about what Mika did for for the Steelers defense when he got inserted. I think Roquan Smith are handling himself pretty well for the Bears. So I think we're talking extension here very very soon. The SEC is relaxing COVID nineteen protocols for the fully vaccine. Personnel, good idea. I got to talk to producer. You know, back to back COVID questions get on my daggone nerves. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you fully you get the vaccine. Um, you know, that's the point that you can go ahead and you know live a little and you know I don't know enjoy some common freedoms like freedom of movement and the freedom to show your face around town. You know, those type of things, of course. And uh, yeah, shout out to the SEC for leading the way on this. John Wall will miss the rest of the season with a hamstring injury per Shams Sharania. Does that surprise you? <laughs> no, I don't even know. When the last season John Wall finished? What, what, what was the last se- season he finished? I, I, I honestly don't remember. I ain't even trying to take major shots, maybe a little shot, but you know what I'm saying, five-hour energy. <laughs> but I'm just saying, when was the last season he finished? Like, I wasn't surprised at all. Like, I personally think John Wall is done. But, hey, people want to still keep paying him, and he planned and more power to him, but I think he's done. Like, he got – his knee is done. His legs are done. Whatever injury he keeps getting, hamstrings, lower body injury, I think he's done. Like, it's going to wrap him up, put him in a bubble wrap, put him in the box, and deliver him back to his hometown because I think he's done. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott is on track to recover from a right – from his right ankle injury he suffered in October. And Coach Mike McCarthy is impressed with Prescott's progress. Does this mean anything to you, Jay? Not really. Not really at all. Um, I'm, I'm glad it's going well, but in, 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 the, um, in the grand scheme of things, Dak Prescott is paid like a franchise quarterback. We talked about that for a long time. Um, I'm going to be impressed when the Cowboys win something of significance with Dak Prescott leading the way. That's when I'll be impressed. NCAA president Mark Emmert has received a contract extension that will keep him in place until 2025. His previous deal was set to end in 2023 with a 2024 option. Your thoughts? I mean, hey, they gave him an extra year or two. I, I, I think he deserved it. I mean, listen, man, being the NCAA president, especially in this time, can't be easy. Um, 
And I think he has messed up. You know, we seen what the women tournament turned out to be until people start raising saying that what that wasn't the best picture for him. But then we also seen how you know he didn't handle other other things, Big Ten football, Pac twelve football. Um, so with all that said, it's a tough job, and I think he handled himself poorly, and I think the contract extension it matches what he's been doing. So I'm not mad at it, and uh, let's keep it pushing. Last one. Tomorrow night starts the 2021 NFL draft in Cleveland. And with that said, Jay, my question for you is this. Which organization will have a better draft out of the New York Jets or the Jacksonville Jaguars? Mm, nothing like two floundering NFL franchises to close out the show. I got, you know, it's, it's a close one, but I got to go with Jacksonville for the simple fact that I have way less faith in the New York Jets than I do the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville Jaguars, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. They have Urban Meyer. Um, no disrespect to Robert Sala, but uh, I think they're, I think he's already set up to fail. So I'll take Jacksonville. And that concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. Thanks for joining us today. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nate the Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today. And make today better than yesterday. And you know what we gonna do. We gonna holler at you until next time, baby.